Hello and welcome to 5 at 8. I'm Mark Overman, and joining me today is Linda Carlisle. It's Saturday, July 29th, 2023, and we have some great stories for you. In this episode, we will talk about a helicopter crash during a military exercise in Queensland, Australia, leaving four aircrew members missing. We'll also discuss scientists genetically engineering female fruit flies that can reproduce without a male partner, achieving virgin births for the first time. Additionally, we'll cover a group of U.S. senators calling on the Biden administration to withhold military aid to Egypt due to human rights concerns. We'll touch upon the release of Taiwanese businessman Li Mengchu from China after over 1,400 days of detention. Lastly, we'll explore the European Space Agency's successful guided crash of a weather monitoring satellite into the Atlantic Ocean to prevent debris hazards. Stay tuned for these top news stories of the day. Story number one. A MRH-90 Taipan helicopter crashed into waters off the state of Queensland during a military exercise, leaving four aircrew members missing, as reported by Al Jazeera. The crash occurred during the Talisman Sabre exercise, which involves multiple countries and over 30,000 personnel. The cause of the incident is unknown, and the search for the missing crew is underway. The exercise has been paused to allow participants to inform their families, and there is no indication of when it will resume. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin expressed condolences and highlighted the importance of rigorous training to ensure success and protect lives during crises. Australia is currently undergoing a major military overhaul, focusing on long-range strike capabilities in response to potential adversaries, including China. It's a somber day, Linda, with the news about the MRH-90 Taipan helicopter crash off Queensland. I mean, these guys are out there training hard to protect us, and sometimes, well, things just go south. Indeed. It's always heartbreaking when incidents like these happen. The aircrew involved in these exercises are highly skilled professionals, meticulously trained for these high-risk operations— but as with anything, there's always a certain degree of risk involved. Absolutely. And it's not just about the folks in the chopper, right? I mean, we've got family members back home, probably sitting on the edge right now. I can't even begin to imagine what they're going through. How does the military generally handle such situations, Linda? The military has protocols in place for these situations, Mark. They prioritize informing the families and providing support during these difficult times. It's a heavy burden and they do their utmost to shoulder it alongside the families. Also, in the wake of such incidents, there's typically an immediate pause on exercises, as we're seeing now, to enable a thorough investigation and to ensure the safety of other personnel. Right, the pause. I mean, you'd think that halting an exercise like Talisman Sabre with over 30,000 personnel, that's got to have an impact on the overall readiness, yeah? While these pauses are necessary for safety and investigation purposes, they can indeed affect the training momentum. However, the military understands this delicate balance. They know that the safety of their personnel is paramount, and they also recognize that these exercises are crucial for preparedness in the face of potential threats. Now, Linda, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Australia's been working on this massive military overhaul with an emphasis on long-range strike capabilities. How do incidents like this factor into that larger picture? It's a pertinent point, Mark. Incidents like these are sobering reminders of the real risks involved in strengthening military capabilities. They underline the importance of not just advanced equipment, but also comprehensive safety measures and rigorous training. 
As Australia continues its military overhaul, it will be critical to learn from these incidents and ensure that safety remains at the forefront of their strategy. Story number two. According to Al Jazeera, scientists have genetically engineered female fruit flies that can reproduce without a male partner, achieving virgin births in an animal for the first time. The offspring of these flies were also able to reproduce without mating, indicating that the trait can be passed down generations. Virgin birth, or parthenogenesis, is rare but not unheard of in the animal kingdom. The researchers sequenced the genomes of two strains of a fruit fly species and manipulated the genes of another species to match those of the virgin birth strain. This six-year study involved over 220,000 fruit flies. It's absolutely mind-boggling, isn't it, Linda? The idea of inducing virgin birth or parthenogenesis in fruit flies? This news is like something straight out of a sci-fi movie. It's a scientific breakthrough, and the implications are far-reaching. It's fascinating how they use the wealth of genetic data on Drosophila melanogaster, a species typically known for sexual reproduction. The whole process involved sequencing genomes, comparing results, and finally manipulating genes. It's a testament to the power of genetic engineering. Yeah, it's impressive what they achieved. It's like they hacked the system of nature. But you know what got me? The flies, when kept in isolation around halfway through their lifespan, just decided to give up on the males and went for the virgin birth. Talk about self-sufficiency. Haha, <laughs> quite an adaptation, isn't it? But it's important to remember that only about 1-2% of the isolated flies did this, and all their offspring were female. This makes me wonder about the viability of this trait in the long run. Could it really be a survival strategy, as it is in some lizards and birds? Or is it just a rare anomaly? Good question, Linda. The researcher, Alexis Sperling, did mention that virgin births are often considered a last-ditch effort to keep a species going. But that's still a theory. I'm curious to see how this trait evolves in future generations of these fruit flies and what impact it might have on their overall population. Certainly, Mark. The future studies following this are bound to be intriguing. But let's not forget, this kind of parthenogenesis is currently impossible in mammals, including us humans. Our reproduction requires genes from both sperm and egg. While this is a scientific marvel, it is pertinent to remember that it doesn't imply any near-future possibility of virgin births in humans. Absolutely. It's important to remember the science and not get carried away by the sensationalism. This study is a testament to human ingenuity and our quest for knowledge. But let's leave the virgin birth to the fruit flies and the reptiles. Story number three. In a report from Al Jazeera, a group of 11 U.S. senators, including members of President Biden's own party, have called on the Biden administration to withhold $320 million in military aid to Egypt due to the country's deteriorating human rights record. The senators stated that Egypt has made little progress in areas such as strengthening the rule of law, protecting media freedoms, and investigating forced disappearances. They accuse the Egyptian government of committing significant human rights violations, including extrajudicial killings, enforced disappearances, and torture. This is the latest effort to condition American aid to Egypt on the basis of human rights, with previous cuts made in 2021. Over 20 human rights organizations have also urged the Biden administration to cut off the $320 million in military aid, citing a merciless crackdown on the press, political opposition, and civil society. Where do we even start with this, Linda? 
It's a tough call for the Biden administration. On one hand, we got a longtime ally in the Middle East. On the other, we're talking about some serious human rights violations here. The situation in Egypt is indeed concerning. The allegations of extrajudicial killings, torture, and severe restrictions on freedom of speech, assembly, and association are deeply troubling. Right. And this isn't the first time we're hearing about this, is it? I mean, the State Department's annual report on human rights in Egypt has documented these issues for quite a while now. Yes, that's correct. And it's not just the U.S. raising alarms. More than 20 human rights organizations have urged the Biden administration to cut off the military aid. They accuse Egypt of carrying out a merciless crackdown on the press, political opposition, and civil society. But here's where it gets tricky, right? I mean, Egypt has been a long-standing U.S. ally in the Middle East. And let's be real, it's a region where we need all the friends we can get. That's a valid point, Mark. It's a delicate balance between advocating for human rights and maintaining foreign policy relations. Withholding aid could have significant implications for the geopolitical dynamics in the region. There's the potential risk of Egypt turning to other powers such as China or Russia for support. Definitely, Linda. And it's not like we haven't seen this before. Remember North Korea and Iran? Sanctions didn't exactly turn them into champions of human rights, did they? The effectiveness of economic penalties in achieving the desired change is a complex issue. It's crucial to consider the potential unintended consequences of these measures. That said, it's also important to recognize the role of international sanctions and financial leverage in managing human rights issues globally. So what you're saying is, it's a tough call. We've got to tread carefully, balancing our commitment to human rights with our strategic interests. Man, I do not envy the folks making these decisions. Indeed, it's a difficult situation. But it's critical that we continue the dialogue and seek solutions that uphold our commitment to human rights and global stability. Story number four. Taiwanese businessman Li Mengchu has been released from China after being held for over 1,400 days, as reported by the BBC. He was arrested in 2019 for taking pictures of police officers in Shenzhen and was accused of espionage and stealing state secrets. Li denies these charges. While he was released from jail in July 2021, he was prevented from leaving China due to being deprived of political rights. This penalty is rare for non-mainland Chinese convicts and is seen as a political move by authorities due to Li's Taiwanese identity. Taiwan sees itself as a separate entity from mainland China, while China considers it a breakaway province. Li's release comes amid escalating tensions between the two regions. Do you ever think about how political tensions have a way of seeping into even the most everyday aspects of life, Linda? This case of Li Mengchu, for instance, it's a business trip turned into an international incident. It's clear that he was caught up in the escalating tensions between mainland China and Taiwan. It's a stark reminder of how geopolitical issues can affect individuals' lives in such profound ways. On one hand, he was just a businessman on a work trip. But on the other hand, his actions were seen through the lens of politics and national security due to the complex relationship between China and Taiwan. Exactly. And it's not just about Li Mengchu as an individual, but also how this incident might impact the broader business community. I mean, thousands of Taiwanese do business in China. This case may create an atmosphere of fear and uncertainty. That's a valid concern, Mark. It's also worth noting that this incident seems to be a part of a larger pattern where Beijing is perhaps trying to exert control over Taiwan and assert its authority. I mean, 
Don't you think it's quite telling that they imposed an exit ban on Li, which is rarely used on convicts who are not mainland Chinese nationals? Yeah, it does seem like they are trying to make a political point. However, the question remains whether this incident will have any significant impact on the already tense relations between China and Taiwan. Only time will tell, I guess. Definitely, Mark. It's also worth discussing how this case fits into the bigger picture of China's foreign policy. We can't ignore the role of politics in these situations. China's approach to Taiwan, its handling of the Hong Kong protests, and its relations with the U.S. and other countries are all interconnected. The decisions made in these cases can have far-reaching implications. Story number five. The European Space Agency, ESA, as reported by The Guardian, has successfully guided a defunct British-built weather monitoring satellite, Aeolus, to perform an assisted crash into the Atlantic Ocean. This is the first time a satellite has been deliberately brought back to Earth instead of burning up in atmospheric re-entry. The decision was made to reduce the risk of debris hitting people or property. The satellite, which provided data to weather centers across Europe, was not designed for a controlled re-entry, but ESA used its remaining fuel to steer it into the ocean. The agency hopes that this maneuver will set an example for other nations and organizations in handling satellite re-entries. How about that Aeolus satellite, huh? A first in the history of space exploration. Guiding a defunct satellite to a deliberate crash in the Atlantic. Now that's what I call being responsible. Seems like the European Space Agency is setting a pretty high bar for managing space debris. It's a significant step forward in terms of technological responsibility. It goes beyond the usual approach of allowing defunct satellites to burn up during atmospheric re-entry. This action by the European Space Agency is a testament to how we can effectively utilize available resources, even in the face of an object's obsolescence. Right you are, Linda. There's an immense amount of space debris out there, and uh, it's about time we started being more mindful about it. This whole maneuver with Aeolus, it's not just about the satellite itself, it's about setting a precedent, a model, for future satellite re-entries. This incident presents an opportunity for spacefaring nations and organizations to start thinking about establishing best practices for space debris management. It's about moving towards a collective responsibility to prevent potential damages. Spot on, Linda. It's, uh, it's not just about the technology, it's about the ethics, too. We've got to consider the potential risks these defunct satellites pose to people and property on Earth. So, mitigating these risks, like ESA has done, is a big step in the right direction. It's a fascinating intersection of technology, policy, and ethics. And actions like these could pave the way for more international collaborations, just like we've seen with the International Space Station. The road to better space debris management might just be through cooperation and shared responsibility. That's it for this morning. Have a great day and see you all tomorrow. Five at Eight is researched, written, and performed by artificial intelligence. For more information, visit botcaster.ai.